You guys doing doing well this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Just checking. I was love asking that question. It's like, no, no, not. who's anyone? Uh, welcome if you're joining us online. I'm super excited to be with you guys and worship this morning. Uh, I know I was talking about the weather. It was a great week, first of all, and then it's not going to be a great week next week. So um, next week, I hope we are all still here because at least in Woodland, one of the days was 111. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. But you guys don't get that here, and not as, not as badly as, as out there with the wind and the cool breeze. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's all stand together. This morning we're going to sing, we're going to worship, uh, and there are a million reasons to worship God. There are a million reasons why we sing. Um, the weather is one of them, the, uh, and just the God's creation. This morning as we sing, I encourage you guys just to uh, find find a reason find a reason that you uh one reason and kind of and kind of dwell on that this morning and focus on that why is god important to you let's sing together God, you are. 
song for me um, this last year and a half is uh, you know is when when COVID hit and the pandemic started fear was a big deal it was like can I go to the ATM and deposit money can I if I get gas am I going to get sick like those those questions where you're like what does that mean as I'm you know you're starting to talk things through and then and then we look through this week going this next week where California is opening back up again. <laughs> and I know that's for some that can be a weird thing where you're like, gosh, fear is a crazy thing. Can creep in and go, I've been told for so long I can't do things, now I can do things. That song says it. God, there's, fear doesn't stand a chance, God, when I stand before you. Fear doesn't stand a chance when I worship you. God, when I, I sing, 
when I uh, lift my hands, when I get the chance to come and sing corporately, God, when I get the chance to worship you, God, there is so you are so much bigger than any fear in my life. And um, if that's you this morning, just encourage you this week to get that song stuck in your head. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. The resurrection power that can save. Amen? Let's keep singing this morning. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you, God Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. Put 
Father, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you for the gift of song where we can come and sing. Uh, God, come and spend these moments uh, praising you. God, we love you. We worship you this morning. We proudly sing your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning. Good morning, church family. How are you guys today? I'm great. We just want to welcome you to Solano Valley Church, whether you're here with us in person or you're visiting for the first time today or you're watching us on online. We are so happy that you're here. We've been praying for you all week, and there's a reason that you're here this morning. It's not just to take up some time on Sunday, but it's because the Holy Spirit wants you to be here and hear what's going on today. So um, I want to let you know if this is your first time or you're new to our church, we have so many different things for the whole family to take part in. We have an awesome children's ministry that's going on right now. You could see them on the side. They're worshiping this morning. And um, we have the best teachers back there. They love the kids. And I think they're doing superheroes right now. So that's pretty cool. I also wanted to um, just say this. You know, when we were singing that last song and it said, um, Lord, lead me in your love to those around me. And every time we sing that, I get choked up because I know that God is continuously leading us to those who need him. And um, and the best part about that, it says, lead me in your love. We don't have to know what to say or, you know, be a Bible expert or, you know, know the, the mysteries of the universe to ask somebody to come to church. And I just read this morning that 82% of people would come to church if they were personally invited by someone. That's like, I mean, blew my mind, 82% of people. And one of the things that we are big about in this church is being relationally warm. And I'll tell you, we have some amazing small groups that meet every single week, and that's what that's all about, being relationally warm and building relationships. And I think I've told this story before, but the reason that my family is here at this church is because my sister-in-law invited, us, invited me to go to one of Joy's Bible studies. And, you know, we were going to this big church, and it was wonderful. But 
we just didn't have relationships with anyone. And my sister-in-law invited me to go, and I went to Joy's Bible study, and I met Barbara, and I met Tracy, and I met Joy, and I met all these women, and I met Jackie, and I thought, there's no way that they can be this, like, sweet. Like, there's just no way that they can be, like, this friendly and kind. And the more I met them, the more I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so genuine. Like, they are who you see on Sunday morning is who they are outside of the church, 100%. And so we get people from all over with the military families, with all kinds of people that come and visit our church all the time. And if you ask them, hey, why did you, you know, attend our church? You know, of course they're going to say, well, Gary's preaching, I mean, just slam dunk every single week. But the number two reason they always say is the people, the people, the friendships that I've made. And so that is what small groups are all about, because it's hard to meet people on Sunday and to get really close to them. I mean, there's a lot of us here. But when you join a small group, they become like a second family to you. They will walk through things in your life that are hard. They will pray for you when you need them to. And it's just an amazing way to build relationships. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, to join one. If you've been in the church for, you know, since we opened, join a small group. If this is your first week or you're joining us from online and you're not sure about what to expect, join a small group. And I promise you, you will, your life will change and for the better. You'll make friends. It will be a wonderful thing. Okay, so I also wanted to invite you to um, partake in our tithes and offerings right now. So in Proverbs 3, it says to trust God with all that you have. God gave it to us. It's really his. And when we give back to God, he can do amazing things with, with the little that we give him. You know, we all know that story of the widow's mite in the, in the scriptures where she didn't have anything. She had one thing. And they kind of wanted to turn her away and say, that's like nothing. Like, who cares about that? But Jesus said, man, she gave everything that she had. And that means more than if we're able to write, you know, a check with no, you know, every single week. It means more whenever we sacrifice, and it means more whenever we give with a joyful heart. So I want to encourage you to do that today. There's four ways for you to give. You can give online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give on the SVC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. And you can also text GIVE to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can drop your check off um, right next to the office. There's a little slot, and that's the easiest way to do it. So I just want to thank you again for coming today. We have been praying for you all week, and we're so happy that you're here. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Gary. Uh, Chip, I'm borrowing your stand, and uh, but I won't mess up your music, okay? Is that all right? And then, Kayla, we put your mic right over there. Is that all right? All right, fantastic. Everybody knows what we're doing now. <sighs> hey, good to see you guys. Oh, I supposed to take the mask off, aren't I? Oh, okay. Why don't we talk about COVID for just a second, okay? Uh, because I know you're eager to talk about it again. Uh, actually, this week, this week is uh, it's going to be June 15th. What day? Wednesday? Is that right? Uh, so whatever day it is, it's going to be June 15th, and then the state is declaring us now open. And what that means is you no longer need to wear a mask unless you're, like, at a medical facility or you're on an airplane or whatever, okay? And, uh, and But 
in, in the way this works is everybody who's been vaccinated is, you know, you don't have to wear a mask, okay? And if someone has not been vaccinated, they're asking that you continue to wear a mask. But there are no mask police, either with the state or with Solana Valley Church. It's completely the honor system. So just announcing this week, uh, we're glad to get COVID behind us as much as possible. But what we want to do is not just get COVID behind us. We want to keep Jesus in front of us. And the reason I say that is I believe in our world today, there's a whole lot of division. There is over politics, over how we should think about race, law enforcement, how we should think about COVID, so many different things. And the reason that Christians get divided on these subjects is we forget to keep Jesus in front of us. And there are some differences where we need to truly be lovingly tolerant of one another thinking differently. And so uh, what we are about uh, as a church is first and more foremost following Jesus. We want to follow him. And what we mean by that is that we want to become more like him in our thinking. Uh, we want to become more like him in our affections. We want to become more like him in our attitudes and in our actions, the things that we do. And that's what's most important to us is following Jesus. And what our mission is as a church, and this has been our unchanging mission since we started this church, is to make disciples. Uh, making disciples is what we're about. And we do that by inviting people to follow Jesus with us. And so when we're inviting people to follow Jesus, we're asking them to worship with us, worship God uh, in all that we do. Uh, we want to invite people to follow Jesus with us by growing in Christ day by day, uh, by serving others over ourselves, and uh, finally, by reaching our community, our world, one person at a time. So uh, just a moment ago, Kimberly was talking about our value of being relationally warm. We do have some greeting cards that you can pick up one on your way out or two. And I just want to encourage you to do what she said. Invite a friend. Invite a friend. You might really be surprised that who will come, and you might really be surprised at how God will work. And, uh, and I would like you to be pleasantly surprised. That's why I want to encourage you to do that. Um, a while back, we just finished up a series. Uh, we just finished up a series on building stronger homes. And uh, before that, we launched a, uh, a series on the Gospel of John. And real quick, before we're going to get back into John today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to John chapter 5. But before I really launch into the message, what I want you to kind of remind you of, we've talked about this before, but this is hugely important. Sometimes people will read a verse here in the Bible, a verse there, and we sometimes we don't even grasp the message of the Bible. And I like the way John Stott says this. Uh, that, that John Stott, what he talks about, and what he talks about the storyline of the Bible, and it's important we get it, is the storyline of the Bible is creation, uh, fall, redemption, consummation. That there are four major parts of the story of the Bible and the story of God. And all these other stories that we read are part of this grand narrative. Okay, that stretches from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And so we have creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Uh, and uh, another way to, to, to say it, according to thought, is the good, the bad, the new, the perfect. Okay, and so in creation, God reveals himself as creator. 
In the fall, God reveals himself as judge. In redemption, God reveals himself as redeemer. And then in the consummation, uh, God reveals himself as the perfecter, the one who perfects all things. And that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, When we started our message on John, what we said is that the basic message of John is this, is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if you know those words, you already know what the gospel of John is about. Uh, what, what John does is at the end of his book, and at the end of chapter 20, uh, what John says to those he was writing to, he says that many other signs, miraculous signs, Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But these are written so that you may believe, so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and believe in him uh, and in him have life in his name. And so that's what the Gospel of John is all about. So I just kind of want to reorient us to the Gospel of John. Uh, we've already looked at chapters 1 through 4. In chapter 1, we looked at, we said that Jesus is the Word who is God, who is with God in the beginning, and who created all things. In chapter 2, we saw that Jesus turns the water into wine. Uh, in the, the, the village of Cana. Jesus turns the water into wine, revealing his glory to his disciples, and they believed in him. In chapter 3, we read the story of Jesus talking with a religious leader named Nicodemus, a highly respected teacher uh, who came to Jesus. And what Jesus told this respected teacher is he didn't say, go back to school and get more education. He didn't say that, uh, although I think there's value in that. Uh, But what he did is he said this. He said, you must be born again. Religious leaders must be born again. I must be born again. You must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit to have a part in the kingdom of God. In chapter 4, we saw saw Jesus uh, uh, give living water to a Samaritan woman of questionable character. To satisfy the inner longings of her heart. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus gives us living water to satisfy our inner longings. And today what we want to do is we want to look at John chapter 5. But real quick, I want to ask you a question. This is a rhetorical question, uh, which means please don't answer it, okay? Uh, But I want you to think about it. What is your favorite day of the week? What is your, not favorite, what is your best day of the week? Think about that. What is your best day of the week? And I'm just going to tell you, uh, I have a couple, okay? Uh, but one of my best days of the week is Friday. Uh, Friday is when I celebrate my Sabbath. Uh, it's when Joy and I get up. Uh, we, we get up in the morning. And each of us, uh, we just kind of, uh, Joy likes to sit at the table uh, in, in the kitchen. I like to sit uh, in our family room uh, on the couch. And, and it's where we just kind of open our Bibles and we read and we pray and we meet with God. I remember years ago, a buddy of mine, his name is uh, Jim Baird, and uh, went to school at Dallas Seminary where I went before me. And I remember I, I listened to a message by Jim one time, and he said this. He said, the highlight of every day should be our time we have with God. I've never forgotten that. I heard that as a young college student. I've never forgotten it. And I believe it's true is that, that that's what God wants. Is he wants us to have this hour every day where we come together with him. 
where we come together, not just to open a book, the Bible, and read it and to pray, but reading the Bible where we begin to see the heart and mind of God, where we begin to be shaped by the very words of Scripture as the Holy Spirit applies to our lives. And in coming to God in prayer, not just saying, oh, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, bless this, bless this, bless this. Prayer, it's not about asking God for all this stuff that we want in our lives. Prayer is all about you and me just coming in the presence of this holy, awesome God who by the power of his spoken word created the entire universe. And, and, it is a, and sometimes the best, things, best thing we can do in prayer is simply to be silent in the presence of God. And so I, I love our Fridays because I love beginning our day just being in the presence of God. And then I love spending the rest of the day, the day in the presence of my wife. I love uh, driving the back way over to Napa. I love going to our little uh, restaurant that we go to weekly, Taqueria Rosita. Uh, I, I love being able to walk around downtown Napa and we'll go either to Sweetie Pies or we'll go to Annette's Chocolates and get something, you know, uh, a little tasty. And uh, just being together, uh, that for me is one of the highlights of my week. It is my best day of the week. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a best day uh, in John chapter in John chapter five. And, and but we're going to look at it. I don't know if I'm going to do this very well, so I'm just going to do my best. OK, I want you to see a day that God intended to be the best day for people. But it got twisted and it got. Wow. It got turned into something very, very different from what God intended. And so uh, if you got your Bible, open up again, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 24. It's kind of a longer reading, uh, but this is the word of God. This is the word of God. And more important than hearing what I have to say or what I have to say about this text is simply listening and hearing the voice of God. The Bible says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem uh, for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. It's in the northeast part of the city. There is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a, a pool, which in Aramaic is called uh, Bethesda. And I know all of you know because you're, you know, you've studied Aramaic and Hebrew. You guys all know Bethesda means house of mercy, right? So he goes to a pool called the House of Mercy, and there's, there is there these five colored, covered colonnades or, or porches. And here... A great number, literally a multitude of disabled people used to lie. Uh, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Uh, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Real quick, real quick. A little bit of background. If we read this, don't understand this. There was a, a legend and a story uh, that many people in Jerusalem in this time believed. It was a, a legend that, that, that from time to time, an angel of God would come to this place, uh, the, the house of mercy, and that that angel would stir the waters. And when the angel would stir the waters, whoever got into the water first would be healed. Now, when, when real quickly, could you imagine... God saying, here is a miracle. Here's a miracle. 
for one of you. I'll, I'll just pretend like it's this right here. It's my Bible, okay? But let's pretend like this is a miracle. And let's pretend for a moment you have been disabled for 38 years. Each and every one of you. There's not a single person in this room who has not been disabled. I have a miracle. Only one miracle. I have a miracle. Only one miracle. And so whoever can kick and fight and scratch and claw their way to this first gets the miracle. And the rest of you get to live your life disappointed. Does that sound like it comes from God? No. But this is what they believed. This is what they believed. They were waiting for an angel to stir the waters. And they were waiting for their miracle. Where am I at? Which verse? Five? Okay. Uh, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? That, by the way, that's a rhetorical question. Okay. Do you want to get well? Of course. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Of course I, I do. And, and, and the man says, sir, the invalid replied, I, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, pay attention to what the text says and pay attention to what the text doesn't say. This is a man who wants a miracle, but he's not seeking Jesus for it. Okay? This is a man who's he's not, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. But he wants a miracle. And he doesn't know where to go, so he goes here to the house of mercy. It sounds like a good place to go. Do you want to get well? The man says, I have no one to help me. Jesus says, says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. For the first time in 38 years, for the first time in 38 years, this man walks. The man was Instantly cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. A Sabbath. The Sabbath, real quick. I, I, let me just pause, okay? The Sabbath. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word Sabbath. I don't know what you think about. I did a sabbatical last year. It was fantastic. It was a time for me to rest. It was a time for me to reflect. It was a time for me to seek God in a way that's hard to do when you are invested in the day-to-day work of doing ministry. The Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath was an incredible gift. It was a gift. The Sabbath was, for 400 years, for 400 years, a people were subjected to, to slavery. They were despised because of their race. It was very much like Americans' uh, slavery pre-Civil War, in some measure after the Civil War. It was, it, was, it was where you take people and you use them like animals. For 400 years, the Hebrews never Never went on vacation. Join our getting ready to go on vacation. Can't wait. Love you guys. See you later. All right. But for 400 years, there was no vacation. They, they didn't get to go to the lake. They didn't go to, go to the mountains. They didn't get to go to the beach. They didn't go to get to drive the, the back way over to Napa and eat at Takiri Rosita. 
They, they didn't, they never got to go to Sweetie Pies or to Annette's Chocolates. They had none of that. They never had a day off. They were nothing more than animals being used like beasts of burdens, being worked. <laughs> they lived to work, and when they couldn't work anymore, they died. They worked from early morning till late at night, seven days a week. They were moms of small children. They were worked for them. The Sabbath was a gift. It's interesting what we sometimes do with great gifts. It really is interesting what humanity can do with great gifts. Hmm. Um, The day on which this took place, the day that Jesus healed this man was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. By the way, the law didn't forbid people from carrying mats. It did say it was a day that you were supposed to rest from ordinary work. But what the Jews did and the Jewish leaders is they created this list of like, I think there's 39 different things that you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath day. Like you couldn't tie a knot. You weren't allowed to tie a knot. You know, they had this big long list of things you couldn't do. And, of course, they had little tricks on how to get around all these different things. But what they did is they took something that was a gift, and they made it into something that was a burden. By the way, sometimes religious people do that. If we're not careful, we can take the gifts of God and turn it into a burden that people hate to bear. It was the Sabbath. Uh, the, the Jewish leader says, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But the man replied, the man who made me well said, said to me, he didn't even know who Jesus was. He still doesn't know. The guy healed him, you know, Jesus healed him. He still doesn't know who Jesus is. Uh, the man who made me well, the man who healed me said, pick up your mat and walk. Now, okay, if you see a guy who's been sick for 38 years and haven't been able to walk for 38 years and you see him, What's the thing you do? Don't you kind of like want to know about the miracle? Wow, what happened? Yeah, yeah, isn't that what you do? I mean, that's what I would do. That's not what they do. Uh, The man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. And they said to him, who is the fellow who told you to pick up the the mat? All they can focus on is the mat, the mat, the mat, the mat. And, And they're missing something. The mat. Wow. Uh, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, <laughs> for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, said to him, See, you're, you are well. You have been healed. Stop sinning. Don't continue in sin. Or something worse may happen to you. By the way, the something worse is not being lame. It's not being paralyzed. Because later as we get through the chapter, we begin to, to hear a message from Jesus about judgment. Okay? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Did you hear that? The guy rats out Jesus. I mean, Jesus healed him and he rats out Jesus. Oh, well. Sometimes Jesus does miracles for reasons that we may not understand. And it's about something more than just the miracle. 
so because Jesus was doing these things, this is verse six, 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to, to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, when we hear that, sometimes I think it's easy to let those words wash right past us. From time to time, I hear somebody tell me, you know, Jesus never really claimed to be God. Okay, if you were a first century Jew and you heard Jesus say, my father, meaning God, is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working, you would understand it very differently from the average 21st century American. For this reason, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, for this reason, the Jewish leaders tried all the more to kill him. They're not just, well, they are trying to shut him up, but they're trying to shut him up by by killing him. Yeah. Uh, For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Okay. We could read through the entire rest of this chapter, and it's a message that flows from the miracle. And I think you have to be careful not to separate the message of Jesus from the miracle of Jesus. I think they're woven together. I'm not going to try to do all of this. I can't do it today. But I am going to do part of this. I think it's very important that we consider the word of Jesus in his message and what he says in response to these men. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father's father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. He is doing the work of the father. He is doing the work of God. What the father does The son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So that you'll be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead, that's pretty fantastic. That's a greater work. For just as the father raises the dead, by the way, I think here he's speaking of people who are spiritually dead. The people you live and share space with every day. The people who would really probably love... You know, sometimes people are afraid to come without an invitation. Did you know that? They're afraid because they they feel like, well, I'm not sure if I really belong there. But you know what? People love inclusion. Nobody wants to be isolated away from the group. Everybody wants to be included. And that's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what a lot of what... Following Jesus looks about like it looks like helping people find inclusion. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I'm preaching. Um, what verse am I on? <laughs> 22. Thanks. We appreciate that. Okay. Um, okay. For just as the Father raises the dead uh, and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Uh, we could spend all day there. Uh, okay, so the, fa- the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son so that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. And then verse 24. 
Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. By the way, you have it from the moment that you believe. It's not something you get after you're dead. Something you get, you have right now. And you have it forever. And it's not just a a life of unending duration. It is eternal life. It's not just a, a life of unending duration. It is eternal life. It is a life that's filled with eternity, that's filled with all that eternity is about. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life, will not be judged. That's really good news. At least it is for me. He he will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. All right. So when I was, I was talking with my brother-in-law. By the way, my in-laws are here today. Okay, Dave, Renee, their three sons. I got Will, Ian, Beckett have had a blast being able to be with them the last couple of days. And Dave also went to school at Dallas Seminary. Uh, he teaches at Denver Seminary in Denver, and then he's also one of the founding pastors of Fellowship Denver. And I'm sure y'all would rather be hearing him today. I would too, but he said I'm on vacation. So so, so anyway, uh, but Dave is a great guy, and Renee is fantastic, and I loved him. But I was talking with, with, with Dave about this this morning. And when I was in seminary and I was in, in preaching, in our preaching classes, my, 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 my professors would always tell me, okay, you have to sum up everything in the text into a little pithy statement, okay? All right, so I wrote it, and I don't know, it's like 300 words long, long, something like that. I, I was like 18 pages or something like that, okay? So I kept trying to reduce it, kept trying to reduce it. This is my attempt at a pithy statement, okay? Okay, you, you can send this to your friend who's the preaching prof, okay? Uh, God the Father and God the Son are working in tandem. By the way, tandem. I digress. I'm sorry. I'm like the dog on up, you know? Squirrel. Okay, okay, tandem, tandem, all right? Anybody ever ride a tandem bike before? Oh, Rich has. Okay, okay. Uh, y'all know what a tandem bike is? You got one set of handlebars. You got two seats on it. Well, actually, two handlebars. But it's all one bike. But you keep people ride on it. And I've watched people who are a little bit, uh, how do you say this nicely? I don't know, so I'll just say it the way I say it, okay? Sometimes you'll see people who are maybe not great cyclists on a tandem bike, and it is hilarious, Okay. It's like you watch them because you're waiting for them to crash. I, I hate to say that, but it's kind of true. But if you've ever seen, and I have seen it, if you've ever seen two people on a bike, and both of them are experienced cyclists. I, I know a couple in our town, not real well, but they are both of them fantastic on, on bikes. I mean, they are like super fast, super strong, everything. I have watched them on a bike past me so fast. Uh, you get two people on a bike, on a tandem bike, biking together, and it's really kind of amazing to watch it. I've watched, yeah, I, I've, you know, in uh, a century ride or a couple of little, you know, uh, doing some uh, metric century rides, I've watched people, guys go out, women go out on these tandem bikes, and it's amazing how fast they can go. The father and the son are working in tandem, Okay? They are two distinct persons. I I lost my pithy statement, sorry. God the Father, God the Son are working in tandem to give life to the spiritually dead so that all people will honor the Son and the Father by listening to the message of Jesus 
and by believing the Father who sent him, so that we might receive eternal life and escape the judgment, uh, and so that we may uh, cross from death to life. Okay, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. So let me just give it to you in a couple of points. A couple of points, all right? So uh, some, some major takeaways, major takeaways. This is what we see when we read through, when you consider the miracle and you consider the message of Jesus, is first of all is this, is that Jesus works miracles, but he's more than a miracle worker. Okay? Jesus does miracles, but he's more than a miracle worker. He's not putting on a magic show. He's not trying to entertain people. And in John, these miracles are called signs. It's a very important uh, part of how uh, the, the Gospel of John plays out. Remember, I mentioned this at the beginning of the service, and I said, I said what what John says in John chapter twenty when when John says that that many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So Jesus is uh, he works miracles, but he's more than a miracle worker. Two, Jesus calls God his father, making himself equal with God. My son is my son. He is in no way inferior to me. He is a man in every respect that I am a man. When we say that that God the Father is God the Father, and that Jesus is the Son of God, we're not saying, and, and, and this is what I sometimes hear, and I hear from people who sometimes have been, quote-unquote, Christians for a very long time attending church, and they say, well, Jesus isn't God, he's the Son of God. Like somehow, he's like an emanation from God. And that's simply not the case. That is like, like unbiblical. That's actually, to think of Jesus as inferior is to, that's, you know, the ancients would call it heresy, okay? That that Jesus calls God his Father, making himself equal with God. This was clearly, clearly what the Jewish leaders heard. Verse 18, For this reason the Jewish leaders tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Three, the Father is working and Jesus is working in tandem with the Father. Remember the tandem bike? They're not going two different directions. They're not doing two different things. They are two distinct purposes, per- persons, but they are working together in one purpose. Okay? So that, that uh, the Father is working and Jesus is working in tandem with the Father. For the Father loves the Son and reveals all things to Him. That, that with between the Father and, and the Son, there are no secrets. Everything is fully disclosed. And they are working in this divine partnership together. This divine partnership to save humanity. The Father loves the Son and reveals all things to Him. What the Scripture says that Verse 24, for the Father loves the Son, shows him all all he does. Yes, he'll show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. 
The, uh, number five. The Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son so that we will honor God the Son as we honor God the Father. Uh, here, verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Why? Verse 23. Why? Set that, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. That He has entrusted all judgment uh, to... Uh, the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Now, every once in a while, you know, when you read through the Gospel, it's kind of confusing at times, because you'll read earlier in the Gospel, in John chapter 3... Where Jesus will say, for the Son of Man did not come into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved. I don't know if you remember that. It's been a few weeks ago, John chapter 3. So how is it that the Son has been entrusted with all judgment? When Jesus came his, the first time, he came for the purpose of saving all who would believe in him. But when he comes again, and he is coming again, he will come in judgment to judge all who refuse to listen to his teaching and believe in the one who sent him. That, that the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Finally, number six, everyone who heeds the message of Jesus and believes in the one who sent him has been given eternal life. They have escaped from judgment and they have passed from death to life. Verse 24 this is kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's the zenith of the passage. It is the, I, I think really the point that we've really got to grasp is where Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, anybody who listens, truly listens with the intent of following, whoever hears my word, the word of Jesus, and believes him, the Father who sent him, has eternal life. And will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Now, um, there's a lot in this. There's a lot in this. And I want to close this out. I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team to go ahead and come on up. Chip, I'm going to let you take your stand away from me, okay? But let me uh, finish this by saying something that is on my heart. I believe America is at a crossroads. I do. Okay? Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to claim to be a prophet. But I feel like our nation is at a, a, a crossroads. And I believe that the Christian church in North America is at a crossroads. And I believe... I believe that in this moment in history... It is extremely important that we have a robust understanding of the teaching of Scripture. I was talking with a couple of young leaders earlier this week, uh, uh, both of them, uh, one in his late 20s, the other one was 30, uh, from a couple of other churches. And I was meeting and I was talking with them. And it was interesting is I was asking them, what do you see as being kind of like the great crisis and the greatest challenge we face moving forward? And I heard a number of things from both of them, and it was very interesting. I love hearing from other people who are younger than me, not just people who are older, but I like hearing kind of what they see and what they feel like they see happening. But both these young men, both of them said this, 
is, and they said it in different words, but basically one of the great things, the challenges that we face is biblical illiteracy. There's so many people who have gone to church for many years, who have believed in Jesus, we really don't know the message of the Bible well. And what we need to see and what we need to understand, we need a robust understanding of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and how they're working together. We need to understand that. And that's a lot of what this text is about. It's about how God the Father, God the Son are working together in tandem to bring salvation to all of us. We need a healthy understanding of eternal life. This is not just hope for after we die. This is, this is supposed to be, it should be incredibly uh, expansive and fill every part of our lives. Eternal life should. It's not just something we contemplate on a Sunday morning, but it is something that we live out in every single second of every single day in every choice we make. That we're to live out this eternal life. And we need a healthy understanding of how the Father and the Son are working in tandem to save all who will listen to the message of Jesus and believe in the Father who sent him. And this is something that we need as we live out what it means to follow Jesus together as a church. Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are awesomely in charge of all things. You are holy, 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are the one who is awesome in power, who by your word spoke and you created the entire universe. God, you are the one who is sovereign over everything happening in our world. And you have called us into this mission to proclaim Jesus and invite people to follow Jesus with us. Lord, help us uh, faithfully live out this message. And God, for the person here today who maybe has, I don't know, is wrestling with what it means to be a Christian. I pray that today that they will choose to listen to the message of Jesus, believe the one who sent him, and be saved. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll turn it over just a sec real quickly. If any of you wants to talk more about how to come to know Jesus, I'd love to talk with you. If you're with us on uh, Facebook or YouTube today, thank you for being with us. Sorry I didn't say something to you earlier. Uh, If you want to talk to me, my cell is 707-290-2485. Uh, look it up on, I don't know, uh, our website, whatever. Email me, whatever it takes. Get a hold of me. I'd like to talk to you more. All right. Why don't we stand as we sing?
Hear the shackles. Hear the shackles breaking free. Hear the song of the redeemed. He is moving. He is moving. He's alive. Take this freedom. Take this love. Can you feel it rising up? He is here. He is here. He's alive. Amen. Man, you guys have a great week.